Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It is Tuesday, September 22nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Well, it's not Chiefs-Ravens week because they don't play until next Monday, but it is. And we couldn't wait to dive in and talk about it. Star columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger stopped by to provide a first look at the game that will feature two of the game's top quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. We take a look back at the previous two games between these teams, regular season contests in 2018 and 2019, both won by the Chiefs at Arrowhead, and see if there are any lessons to apply to this meeting, which takes place in Baltimore on Monday Night Football. So, here we go with Sam and Vahe. Vahe, Sam, how you guys doing? Great. You know my word, Blair, dandy. Dandy, just dandy. Great and dandy. How could it be any better than that? It just can't be. It can't be. Especially fine and dandy. I like that even better. Well, especially with a pretty big Monday night game coming up. Chiefs at Ravens. This will be the third year in a row that these teams have played in the regular season. Uh, we thought they were going to you know, meet each other in the playoffs last year in Baltimore in front of fans. Didn't happen. But uh, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this game. Week three, this is the week where they played a year ago as well. Maybe um, maybe down the road, because of the, the, the attraction of the matchup, this will be a, a December late afternoon regular season game or uh, just save it for later. But anyway, it's a Monday night football game in week three. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it is the is, – is it the premier battle between quarterbacks in the NFL? Are these the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, Sam? I mean, Russell Wilson is really, really good. Uh, he's he's the only one that I would put in there, though. Um, any one of those three, I guess. Um, I don't know if this is like local bias, right? I think Mahomes is the best, and then I think it's between Lamar and Russell Wilson, um, and then you know Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, maybe a few others below that. But yeah, this is uh, this is about as good as it gets in terms of. I mean, they're both young. Uh, Lamar Jackson's even younger than than Mahomes. Right. And, uh, you know, same conference. I mean, I really I hope um, that this is sort of the next generation's Brady Manning. And and it's got it's got that look because not only are they super talented, you know, terrific quarterbacks, but they're also, you know, two good franchises that you, you expect those coaching staffs and, and the front offices to have some stability to let these guys have have success for a long time. You know, Blair, yeah, just to echo that a little bit, I mean. I do feel like that's what we're looking at. We're looking at not just the quarterback matchup, but maybe let's just say, I, I guess, semi-conservatively, the next three to five years, are, are, aren't we looking at two of the, the teams that, that should be the perennial contenders in, in the AFC? And, and uh, you know, then you have the connection with the coaching staff and all that. There, there's, there's kind of a, a, cool, a cool thing building here, I think. Well, you know that is awesome. If- Sorry, but this would be amazing. Is if uh, Bill O'Brien gets fired, uh, you know, after the season, and then they hire Eric Bieniemy, and then you've got like all three of those guys in the AFC with like Andy <laughs> Andy Reid connections. That would be, that's what I'm rooting for. Uh, well, before fair? I, well, before yeah, before I continue that thought um or, or the thought on Mahomes and Jackson let's let's yeah Houston's getting a lot of grief these days um being 0-2 uh 
but they've played the Chiefs and the Ravens in the first two weeks. I'm not yeah. sure how many other teams would uh, would not be 0-2 at this point. And I think they have to go to Pittsburgh this week. But the Ravens looked terrific in, in winning at Houston this past week. And the, and the Chiefs looked terrific in week one, especially in the second and third quarters, rolling over Baltimore. But going back to the quarterbacks for a second, uh, Russell Wilson, after two weeks, is the is that has the top quarterback rating in the NFL. Lamar Jackson is number two. You have to go all the way down to number twelve to find <laughs> Patrick Patrick Mahomes. And I think I think you're onto something with that tweet Sunday, Sam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sam, that was, you said this in your follow up tweet, but that was it was really remarkable. How many people <laughs> took you seriously? Well, yeah, it, it was. But it was what was really like blew my doors off is that there were people who took it seriously and agreed. <laughs> <laughs> well, re- reset the tweet really quick. What, what exactly did you say? I, it was. I'm paraphrasing. It was something like, at some point, you have to wonder how long the Chiefs will stick with Mahomes. <laughs> right. It was during the game. Dur- during yeah. the game on Sunday. Yeah. And, I mean, you think about like just things you can say, and everybody will know you're joking. And I figured that was one of them, but uh, not everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Would they have won the game with Chad Henney? We'll never know. <laughs> no, I guess not. And. And if they had lost that game, do, do, do you begin the tanking process to, <laughs> to get right. up for, for Trevor Lawrence? For Trevor I mean, Lawrence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, I, I was amused. I was amused by that. And, and you did it. And you, I think you did address it in the Mellinger minutes as well. Uh, so yeah. find that, find that in on the, on KansasCity.com and read that. That was uh, quite amusing. <laughs> um, all right. What do you guys remember about the the previous two Chiefs Ravens meetings? I, I've got some thoughts, but I want to know what you guys. I, I know. Look, it's hard to remember regular season NFL games, but there seem to be some moments uh, when the Chiefs and the Ravens played. I think the, the, the first thing to know is the Chiefs are two and zero in those games. So Mahomes is has two wins on Lamar Jackson. But do any anything stand out uh, in, in the way these two teams uh, faced off against each other? Well, I'll, I've got a, a quicker, more shallow thought than Sam will, so I'll just throw that in real quick. It, it, it seemed to me, it seemed to me, I, you had the sense of the Chiefs um, coming up against the, the, the team that understood the Chiefs, right, in a way that maybe some other teams didn't. And I felt like, gosh, I can't remember if this was as true last year, but two years ago, the Chiefs really got sort of physically beaten up, didn't they? Um, a really a really uh, rough team. Not, I'm not saying dirty. I don't remember anything dirty, but I, I, just the Ravens were really physical with the Chiefs. Um, so that that's just a quick off the top of my head recollection. Yeah, I mean, th- that fourth and nine game is how I'll always remember it, that the Chiefs won in, in overtime. And uh, that was, like I think until Sunday, um, really as, as much as I can remember Mahomes getting beat up, um, just hit. I can't remember how many sacks he had. It wasn't a huge number, but he just got hit over and over and over again. Um, the thing I remember about the game last year was just them sealing the game on that. Uh, it was a screen pass, right, to Daryl Williams? Yeah. Uh, on, yeah. Like on third, on third, third, third and seven or something like that, third and six. They needed to pick up a first down to basically to run out the clock. Yeah. After having a having a big lead in that game and yep. and then having having the Ravens chip away in the fourth quarter. Yep. And then the other thing I remember is in the locker room after that game, not not as much the fourth and nine game, but the game last year, uh, the Chiefs 
defensive players, just <laughs> all of them, just shaking their heads at trying to tackle Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was one of those just like you, you could just read the respect and admiration and you know borderline awe that a lot of those guys, especially the defensive linemen, had for him. There, there was a time where. Um, I'm not trying to call the guy out, but it was, I think it was Alex Okafor just got put on ice skates, uh, you know, by the sideline, Lamar just kind of <laughs> put him in the blender as they say. And, um, and, and there were, there were a lot of plays like that. He's just, he's different. And, um, and for whatever reason, cause the, the fourth and nine game, he was relatively, that wasn't his first start, was it? But it, it no, was, it was like his fourth or fifth. Yeah. And he hadn't and he hadn't lost. I mean, that was uh, he, yep. you know, he took over for Flacco and 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 was terrific. You know, pe- yeah. people were wondering what the hell. I mean, what uh, where is this guy? Why had yeah. why hadn't he been yeah. playing? And and you could see talent in in that fourth and nine game, the game in 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 eighteen. But last year, that game in nineteen, you, you could see that he had grown. Um, you know, as a quarterback, and um, he always has the athleticism, but um, you know, he had just grown. And and you know, the the better that he can throw it. And, um, you know, I think the knocks on him throwing the ball are overstated. Um, if you just watch the games, especially this year, he looks to be even better than he was last year when he led the league in touchdown passes. And I believe was up there toward the top in, in, uh, passer rating pocket and and completion percentage. Yeah. I think he's like at 68% since the beginning of last year, something like that. I mean, he's, um, you know, look like he's going to have more open receivers than, like a traditional, you know, Joe Flacco kind of quarterback, just because defenders have to worry about more. But um, he he made this pass to Willie Sneed uh, that was just, I mean, it was like perfectly placed between three defenders. I mean, he's just he's grown a lot, man. He he is he's going to be a problem not just for the Chiefs on Monday, but he's going to be a problem for everybody they play. You know, quick uh, quick thing I just looked up, and I I think this holds up. That first time the Chiefs played. Um, uh, the Ravens uh, in 2018 in, in this regime anyway with with Patrick at quarterback Patrick threw 53 passes that's the most he's ever thrown um and quick thing back to to the Ravens and what we're looking at here you know I'm reminded right now especially because I cashed in my uh uh leftover Southwest Airlines funds to make this flight to LA the other day uh funds that would have been applied to Baltimore last year I I wonder how differently everything would have played out if the Chiefs had had to go there then. Uh, we'll never know. And I'm not saying the Chiefs didn't deserve every bit of fortune that they've accumulated for the last 50 years to um, make up for other things. But it, I am reminded of how things fell the Chiefs' way a little bit as we think about this now. Well, starting with that New England outcome, right, in the in the regular season, that yep. uh, the Dol- yep. Dolphin, Dolphins beating the Patriots. But uh, I'll, I'll – uh, something else about the 2018 game that sticks with me, that was the last time the Chiefs won an overtime game. And Harrison Butker walked you know, walked off uh, the with a game-winning kick in that game. You'll remember he missed a, he missed a field goal at the end of regulation that would have won it in, in regulation. And, um, and there, that, that play was – or that attempt was uh, set up by a – I think it was a strip sack. Um, I don't know if it was – Justin Houston, I can't remember who got it, but uh, the Chiefs recovered, forced a fumble, got it, and looked like they were just in great position to win the game at the end of regulation. The other thing is, in the overtime, they knocked Lamar Jackson out of the game, and it was RG three that yeah. ended up finishing the game for the Ravens. So, um, 
So not the happiest of memories for Lamar Jackson against the Chiefs, but the guys lost three regular season games in you know in two plus years, and two of them have been to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now he's also zero and two in the playoffs, and we know the Patrick Mahomes record in the playoffs is a <laughs> little better, a little better than that. So I, I was surprised when the Ravens lost in the in their playoff game last year, just, just for for the simple reason they were thought they were the better team and thought they would live up to the number one seed. Uh, in, in the in the bracket, but also they had been stung the previous year with a home playoff loss. Remember the Chargers knocked them out yeah. the previous year, and I thought, man, I, teams usually respond to that, like the Chiefs did, right? Losing the AFC title game and responding the way they did last season. So maybe just take a couple of shots for Lamar Jackson to have his his playoff success. I remember well, watching that game, Blair, and, and I don't know if this – I think we probably talked about it maybe at the time, but what, what was happening? The Ravens were – on a, on a really nice drive early, weren't they? And then there was a tip ball that was intercepted. Um, and they had a couple things go wrong. And it, maybe it's just because the camera kept going to Lamar Jackson, but the body language was really bad. I mean, it, you started, you st- sort of had the sense, and what does this mean? I don't know necessarily, but you did have the sense that that he was uh, feeling the weight of the world on his shoulders in a different way than you see happening to Patrick when they get down. Yeah, and I, I agreed. And in, in Tennessee, I remember just uh, kept the ball and long sustained drives, kept, and, and kept the kept the Ravens off the field for most of that game. And um, but one thing that we know the Ravens do well, and they've done it in each of the two games they've played the Chiefs, and they have done it in the in the two games they've played this season, is they have run the ball very well. Uh, they went for two forty last week against the Texans. We all were excited when. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had his big game against the Texans in the you know in Week One, and we're thinking, wow, this is you know they got a a terrific back. I, I still think they do have a terrific back, but the, the, the but the Ravens also ran over the Texans this week, and isn't that isn't that the recipe against the Chiefs? Isn't it to, to you know to not get in a a duel with them, a shootout, but just to control the clock? And it seems to me when the Chiefs have lost, it's to teams over the last in the Mahomes era, it's teams that don't turn it over control the clock, limit the Chiefs' possessions, and the Chargers actually did a pretty decent job of that last week. Yeah, I, I believe that 100%. I believe that um, that's the way to do it. You, you run on them, not not just about the clock, not just about keeping Mahomes on the bench um, next to Andy Reid, although that is important, but um, it's, it's a, an effective way to move the ball against the Chiefs. Uh, I, I am curious, Mike Pinnell should, you know, I think we assume that he'll play on Monday. Uh, for the first time this season, and uh, th- that makes a difference. Um, I-, I think he's their best run defender, but uh, the the Ravens' run game is just different. I mean, they they've got three running backs who could start for a lot of teams, um, and Lamar Jackson might be the best runner of any of them. Um, so, I mean that that's that's a big old problem, um, and I think the Ravens are pretty well equipped to beat the Chiefs in that way. And, and I also like that they have the coach that has been the most aggressive on fourth downs and yeah. two point conversions against them. There's just, um, this is the Ravens are a bad matchup for a lot of teams, but, um, I do believe that in, in, in some specific ways, there's, spe- you know, a particularly bad matchup for the chiefs. You know, Blair, you mentioned that when they've lost and I, it, I think it's in a weird way underappreciated just cause it's over two seasons, but, it, it's 11 in a row the Chiefs have won now, if you include the postseason games. And um, I, I don't know, you know, where that's headed or how that's going to hold up. But 
four of those games, they trailed by double digits and came back to win. And, and uh, I love Sam's column from the other night that I think ran in print today. It, it, it really addressed a dimension of that about how long, how long can they expect to get themselves into binds and, and find their way out. And, you know, the only counter argument is that, well, they do have Mahomes, but, but it, at some point that's not going to be enough. And maybe you're not going to always get 58 yard field goals either. So it, 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 they've got to shore up some things to keep that, keep that going, obviously. Right. A couple of points. I, I, love the, I, I love what you said about the fourth down and Harbaugh. I think he's redefined the – or at least he's the, the, the coach who uh, has gone – who was the, one of the first to go against the book when it comes to fourth and short. And we, he's done it against the Chiefs, and he, we saw how it backfired on Anthony Lynn on Sunday in, in L.A., um, I'm sure he regrets to this day not uh, not going for fourth and short in in overtime when they had the ball first and giving the Chiefs the giving Mahomes the ball. Uh, that's uh, I thought that was turns out to be a pretty big mistake. And um, so I'm I, I think we will see both coaches Andy Reid and Harbaugh you know go for fourth and short. They they do it right, and uh, it's, it's just part of their. Going going against the grain a little bit and playing the percentages as the analytics define the percentages these days. Um, yeah, you, you, the worst part about that. I don't know if it's the worst part. There's a lot of worst parts, but one of the worst parts about that Anthony Anthony Lynn decision, and and I do think he's a good coach. But one of the worst parts about that is they punted from the same spot that as a it was a yard off, but they punted from a yard away from where the Chiefs ended up with the ball to kick the field goal initially. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> could have saved some trouble. Hey, know. I also want to give credit to both you guys. I think I saw you on Twitter, and and Blair certainly was saying it in the press box that that he thought it was a mistake uh, at that point. And maybe maybe it's just absolutely by any logical standard a mistake. But the reasoning, I guess, I I thought I saw in it was if you fail, you you just it it almost. Uh, You've just given them the win. I mean, it's an automatic, right? They're, you're in their territory. You're going to win. Now, it, it, the question becomes how automatic was it anyway? But um, I, I guess I saw the rationale, but but the downside is far bigger than the upside there. I mean, it, it, you got you to gotta do a little something different, a little something extra to beat the Chiefs. I think it's a good way to describe it. Um, one more, one more Chiefs Ravens topic before we take a break, um, and I know this one is near and dear to Sam's heart. This will be the second time that a Patrick Mahomes-led team will have played an opponent that includes Marcus Peters, <laughs> <laughs> who had a hell of an interception um, in, against the Texans. You see that play? He did. He did a, a great play, and I mean, his, over the last. I guess since he's been in the league, nobody has more intercept. By far, nobody has more interceptions. Don't you think that he's going to? I mean, make it a point to you know, to do everything he can yeah, to, I, to get a, a Mahomes a Mahomes pick. I remember you guys remember this too. Uh, the first time he played in Oakland, and he got <laughs> so excited that he made himself oh vomit. And, and I think more than once. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be quite to that level. Uh, you know, he's not 22 years old anymore either, but um, it, it'll be close. It'll be close if he gets that interception. Um, and, and he did get one at the end of the that crazy Rams game, although that was, right. was kind of a, a prayer that 
Mahomes yeah. going to throw up. But if, if he gets an interception in a big game, he, <laughs> he may have the ball. Just, <laughs> you'll just see a trail of vomit, like, falling <laughs> over to the bench. Before he punts it. Yeah, exactly. yeah, punt it and it'll it'll rattle around in the empty stadium. That'll be yeah. fun to see. Yeah, it'll take his five yard penalty. That's all it is. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to switch gears and talk a little college football because uh, all three of our teams are playing this weekend. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Back with Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian and... Does it feel like college football season yet to you guys? Vahe, does it feel like college football season? It really doesn't, Blair. I, I It's funny. I, I don't feel like I've been able to lock into following it the same way, and and I I feel like it's just so disjointed. It's hard to understand, you know, sort of the through line on it to me. And and yet, you know, here we are. Maybe I'll feel more uh, more engaged once once we've got – you know, some momentum into it. And like with all three of the local teams playing now, as we speak now, um, I guess there's still some question about whether Kansas and Baylor will be able to play um, because of the COVID. And, uh, but it does look like uh, Missouri um, will, will indeed take on Alabama despite missing a, a dozen or so uh, COVID ridden players. So I just think there's all these weird asterisks on everything going on, and it, it it just makes it harder to sink your teeth into, at least for me. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, no, I uh, would just underline everything Vahe just said. And there's also, uh, again, I mean, I would, if I was smart enough, I would repeat it word for word. But uh, the, the other part of it, too, like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, and this is getting off on a tangent a little bit, but when the Chiefs are this good and this interesting, <laughs> it, it kind of like, takes over my football interest in the fall a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. In, unless, you know, um, well, it would be K-State or Mizzou, right? But um, unless one of the local schools, you know, just jumps up and is on on track for a potential 10-win season or something, it's just um, when you've got this team, <laughs> uh, the the local NFL team, the way it is now, it's, it's hard to really get excited about um, a six- or seven-win college team, I think, sometimes. Right, and the way the season has stopped and started yep. and stopped and started yep. f- for college football, and and to look at it nationally, the the SEC will begin on on Saturday, and the Big Ten won't start for another month, and uh, it's just I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy for the schools that that are playing, and uh, fingers crossed that they they don't run into more issues. Vahe mentioned Baylor; they had the game canceled uh, last. They've had twice they've had games canceled because because of covid and 
Um, and others in the Big 12 have gone through this and others around the country also. North Carolina had a game last week postponed. So it's just difficult to really get a, get a firm grip on, on the college football season. And, uh, and, uh, but I, I think in, in the local markets, right? I know the people at Nebraska are just thrilled that, that football's back there in Ohio State. And, and, and it, certainly in the SEC towns, um, they're just happy as they can be to have football. Uh, and uh, in some of those places, you're going to have fans in the stands, not in the Big Ten, but certainly in the at, at, at the SEC and in, at Missouri this week, right? Vahe, they're going to with when Alabama comes, there will be fans yep. in the stands. I think it's. I can't remember. I hope I'm not off by like a a whole comma, but I think it's eleven thousand or so that they'll they'll be able to get in there. And um, you know, we've seen the difference in those dynamics. It's 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 still different than an empty stadium, obviously. And you know, what's funny is that Blair, the two of us saw an empty stadium. Sam saw one with 16,000. So we don't have the direct comparison points except for our putting our three noggins together. Yeah, uh, it is um, the empty stadium thing, by the way, we should have talked about that Vahe, our experience in, in, um, in Los Angeles. We'll, we'll end with that since you, you wrote a terrific column and uh, we'll attach it to the, to the show notes here, but uh, what a, I, I don't know. It's indescribable. Um, you, you tried. Uh, you wrote a great column, right, but right. but it is um, it was as odd an experience covering a game as I've ever had. How about you? Yeah, for sure. And it's funny, you know. I've been to some Royals games, but there's something about that. It, it just uh, maybe it's because it's not as big a stadium. It's it's we're used to bigger crowds always with the Chiefs and whatever whatever that might be. Um, and also, I think just our seat, the nature of where our seats were, we were in a corner of the press box. I, that's where the press box is, kind of up in a corner. But our view was completely over to one side of the field. And really, the only people you could see were uh, the, the Hunt family entourage in the in the owner's box. And, and you could always sort of zoom in on it because Gracie Hunt was wearing a red dress. You could just that, see that spot. And that was it. So that was the only sign of life over there. Um, and I... But I do think this, I, I think we both felt like this, Blair, but as the game was getting getting more and more interesting, eh, okay, it's a little weird that uh, there's nobody in the stands, but the, the focus just kind of got more and more into the flow of the game and uh, and deadline and stuff like that. So, <laughs> um, but, it, but it was weird from start to finish, right? Everything from our flight to... Uh, to picking up the rental car in an empty rental car lot to vacant LAX, all that. That's part of that feeling, right? It, especially when you're used to seeing Chiefs fans uh, with you the whole time when you're on, on the, on the way out. Well, that, yeah, that for me to not, to, to be on a flight on Saturday afternoon to a, to a road game involving the Chiefs and not see one person in Chiefs gear on that flight at <laughs> At a place where Chiefs have showed up, you know, an opponent anyway, no matter where they've played, yeah. where they've showed up by the tens of thousands. Um, you know, they they booked their flights as soon as the schedule comes out to San Diego or L.A. or to Mexico City last year. And to not see anybody like that on, on the way out there was just, wow. Except wow. for the one guy, which which I probably should have tried to jam into what I was writing, but the one guy wearing the uh, – the Royals cap with the backwards logo. Uh, yes, the upside down KC. I'd never seen that. Custom designed somehow. I, 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 he was a nice kid, uh, but but yeah, but, but wasn't there for the Chiefs, right? 
Okay. All right. We'll end it with that. And uh, great catching up with you, Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian. That'll do it for today. Thanks to the production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith for putting together the 300th episode of Sportsbeat KC. A tip of the cap to Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Chiefs-Ravens. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands, and it is a good one. 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes the Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There's more than 50 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Well, here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.